And if you think the meth monster is really cult fiction, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. You finally got your wish. We're talking about Spitfire. And I could not be more excited about it. And the reason for that is that Spitfire, while being a pretty brief band, put out three seminal albums that mean so much to me personally. And I really hope I can get that across to everybody that's listening tonight. I know you left cult fiction in my car. I brought it home. I found a track called Meth Monster, and I never looked back. Oh, my God, dude. Cult fiction is just like a magnum opus of an album. I remember it definitely kept us awake driving home in the middle of the night from somewhere. It's probably Liberty, Kentucky. Yeah, we had played a metal show there uh, back in, what was that, 07? Something like that. And uh, we listened to this album to keep us awake. It's kind of like rolling your window down and in like 25 degree weather and like having that cold wind hit your face just to keep you awake, to keep your eyeballs open and alert. And hey, we're still alive. So thanks, Spitfire. Before we start talking about eyes wide open, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at DiscussMetal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. We love them because they make us feel good, makes us feel like we're talking to somebody, and as an added bonus, it allows us to get recommended to other people who haven't heard our podcast before. One of the things about highly rated podcasts is they help us show up in search results. They let those little magical algorithms determine who gets to be recommended our podcast. And so in that respect, we would love to have those reviews just to tell us how we're doing and also to help us come up and search results so that we can get more listeners and uh, we can do better as a podcast. Going back a few weeks, we had a tweet from AC. I can't say I thought I'd ever hear MSI on discography discussion, but here we are. Unsurprisingly, my feelings towards this are in line with Dan. Going to need some Fear Factory to rinse away this ear poison. Well, hopefully you got your wish, AC. Yeah, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, <laughs> that you've heard the Fear Factory episode and all will be forgiven. Industrial December was fun the first time. I was worried about the second time, but then we started talking about mindless self-indulgence with Matt Nas and ministry with Stephen Mark Sorrow. Fear Factory was shoved in the middle. It was just a good month, and I can't wait for New Metal May. I don't know about that ministry, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be. I don't know if I'm going to be listening to that much more after, after that. I mean, it's been a few weeks, and I'm happy to say that I've been ministry-free since then. I'd like to thank everybody that helped me with that, but mostly it was just the band themselves. I'm going to get off of that now, and I'm going to tell you about a band that I love so much called Spitfire. Tell me about Spitfire. So the first album I heard from Spitfire, they're a band from the United States that was signed to Solid State Records in the late '90s. And their debut album was The Dead Next Door on Solid State. And that this one came out in 1999. And it is one of the quintessential hardcore albums from the Christian scene from back then. Like, it's right up there with Living Sacrifices Reborn, Zayo's Blood and Fire Bring Rest, and Embodiments Embrace the Eternal. 
It is that uncompromisingly brutal and yet super chaotic. And it would lay the foundation for a lot of chaotic bands that we are going to be talking about soon. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I think that uh, really you can't have a Norma Jean without having a Spitfire first. Is this really what led to bands like Norma Jean? I think so. I mean, Norma Jean borrowed a lot from the band Coalesque. I think Spitfire was one of the first times that Solid State was like, okay, this chaotic metalcore thing is going to be viable. I think this made everybody realize that, like, wow, okay, you can be super chaotic. Because, like, a band like Living Sacrifice is going to be more technical, a little bit more mathy. Whereas Spitfire was just out to create a feeling of just unbridled chaos. And I feel like they really achieved that on The Dead Next Door. The Dead Next Door has really crazy shifting riffs that kind of go in a circle. It's not like a feedback fest like you'd have with Norma Jean or like Converge or bands like that. They definitely were a little bit more structured than that, but they created kind of this chaotic atmosphere with the way they played. It almost sounds like they're playing in a circle. Does that make sense? It does sound unpleasant at times. But talking about a circle, it feels like a group of guys in a basement all facing each other and reacting to what each other are doing. Yeah. You can't sit down with a sheet of paper and write this music down. That's not the point. No, not at all. And, like, this record's unique, too, because it sounds different than what Spitfire was going to come up with later on. But, like, this album is all about heavy riffs. Like, it has almost like a death metal sound to the to the guitar. And it's literally just one of those albums that when you're listening to it, you kind of get this feeling of uneasiness. But they're also not afraid to throw a little bit of melody in there. And this is actually, weird enough as it sounds, this is their most melodic album. Like, even on the first track, Please Don't Go Out Tonight, they get you with that unsettling feeling and that kind of chaotic nature and then they throw in some clean vocals in a chorus type situation it's kind of like when dillinger escape plan goes for melodic moments it's just as unsettling as everything else and uh the clean vocals are used very sparsely but it kind of makes the whole package go down a little bit easier i'm getting a classic under oath vibe when they do throw those vocals in it's almost out of place which i think is supposed to be part of the chaos you don't expect us to sing when we're playing like this so we're just going to go ahead and do it right and it's weird because it gives that song a much more epic feel than it would have otherwise because like joe said this album does sound a little muddy it sounds like they're in a garage playing and that doesn't really hurt it or like maybe not a garage maybe that's not fair it sounds more like they're at a small venue in their local town and this is what you're hearing. This is the set list that they're playing. And um, it definitely adds a lot to it. I don't know if I would say it sounds like classic Under Oath, really. Um, and I don't think that's exactly what you're saying either, Joe. I think you're just going for a feel. No, I'm talking about the feeling yeah. of we're doing this chaotic, heavy thing, and then we just throw in melodic vocals. Right. and they, they That can be chaotic in its delivery. But, yeah, and there's just so much going on here. You know, I mean, the first song, Please Don't Go Out Tonight, is a great album opener. And um, and then they just kind of beat the shit out of us after that. Like, that, they give us a little bit of melody at the beginning, but then after that, it is basically every man for himself. Um, just so 
don't want to overuse the word chaotic on this uh, on this episode, but there's not really an, another way to describe it. Um, this is chaotic, but again, I, I want to differentiate it from like the modern chaos song, which basically just means what? Feedback? Feedback, seeming random composition. What is chaotic hardcore in 1999? Well, it, basically it's coalesce. It's uh, cave-in, maybe. Cave-in was still heavy then. And it's definitely more about the riffing than it is about creating that feedback-laden sound. This band kind of unsettles us with having more of a... See, I keep wanting to say structured, and that's kind of at odds with everything else I'm saying. Um, I've got it for you. Okay. I believe what you're looking for is percussive approach to the delivery this type of music and hardcore and punk rock that doesn't follow a tempo you're focusing on the drummer everybody has to be in sync when they're not following the tempo it's kind of like what tony danza does because like with tony danza they very much employ the same thing although they they're guilty of the feedback cop out as i call it because it's easy to create chaos with with some feedback but you know really um they're the riffs are very dense they're very dissonant and like joe was saying they definitely follow more of a percussive pattern more so than it's just a drummer keeping a beat and then everybody else follows it the drumming is very much as important as the guitar and bass and it's really almost like it's almost like they're following the riffs more so than the riffs are following a beat and it's it's hard to describe because this type of early metalcore is also a little bit loose you know it's it's tight but it's not as tight as like the gent sound that we would get later on and so this kind of stands on its own it's just kind of its own its own thing and it's really just something you have to listen to to really appreciate and i would recommend everybody do this this is available on streaming services and just, just to be able to listen to the album as a collective whole, because this is an album to listen to. This is not just listen to the first song or you know, pick a couple of standout tracks that you think might be good. It all has to play together to give that certain feeling. And there's not just metalcore in here. There's a little bit of, of, of screamo, like old screamo attitude to it. Even if that wasn't necessarily the intention, that's what I've read. That's what I get out of it, especially in some of the more melodic moments. You ready for self-help? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm gonna give it a shot. So before we get into self-help, there's a couple of things that I want to mention that we'll go into a little bit more detail on whenever we do a Patreon episode on it. They switched vocalists between self-help and. The Dead Next Door. The Dead Next Door is kind of its own thing. And I almost, it, it's almost a different band, except for a few notable elements. But one of the biggest things about this singer is that he used to be in another band. And that band was called Scarlet. In 2004, Scarlet put out an album called Cult Classic, featuring a singer named John Spencer. John Spencer has some of the craziest lyrics you'll ever hear in this type of music. And his vocal delivery is very easy to understand while still being extremely brutal. 
which is something we don't really run into much on the show. Mashed potato mouth, this is not. John has a very clear delivery, yet without sacrificing any of the intensity that a normal metalcore vocalist would have. So he was in a band called Scarlet. They put out an album called Cult Classic, which talked about cults, which criticized society, and just some of the content was like really fucked up. And we're going to talk about that album on Patreon this week. So if you want to contribute to our Patreon and hear that episode, I would highly recommend it uh, as a compliment to this episode that we're doing right now. Anyway, after The Dead Next Door, it was going to be actually seven years before they put out a new album, Spitfire, that is which was called self-help and they had john spencer on as the vocalist he had left scarlet and so when he put self-help out i immediately thought wow spitfire sounds a lot like scarlet now (laughs) and the similarity (laughs) the similarities aren't necessarily just with the vocalist but like musically it sounds very similar to what scarlet was putting down back in 04 so this album actually picks up strangely not where the dead next door left off but where Scarlet left off with Cult Classic. (laughs) And uh, we get almost the exact same sort of thing from self-help. Like, this is the first time I've ever heard a vocalist change bands, and the new band that he's in just picks right up where the old band he was in left off. Is this another Josh Guggen situation? Yeah, it is a little bit. Like, I I can feel that because... Spitfire doesn't sound really anything like they sounded on The Dead Next Door. And normally you'd think that was a bad thing because I was going on and on about how great The Dead Next Door was and how it was this unique album. And it was very much that. Like, everything that I said, it's all true. But that doesn't make the change that we get in self-help. I mean, it's seven years later. It had to sound different. It had to sound more modern. So this is a little bit more of the type of chaotic metalcore that is very feedback laden very dissonant and just with some of the most spastic song structures that you'll hear this side of norma jean this is the house that norma jean built it very much is because so we would say that norma jean was the house that spitfire built back on the dead next door however now the uh the the students have become the teachers and now spitfire is taking cues from norma jean's book so this has a little bit of a superficial similarity to Norma Jean, but I think it's actually a little bit crazier than what Norma Jean was doing in 06. Like, this is very much more of, like, what Norma Jean sounded like in 2002. And I hate to use that reference. Do we really need to get a Norma Jean episode out soon? Spoilers. It's coming. <laughs> episode 100. <laughs> Just wait for it. Seven days. Oh, my God. Uh, where's like, my ring clip? Uh, self-help starts off with a song called Meat Market, which has just like super fucked up lyrics. He's like, I ran into my brother at the trough and he tasted good. Oh, but uh, John Spencer, that's just the way he wrote lyrics. And it's funny because on Scarlet's cult classic, he makes tons of references to the meat market. <laughs> and then here we are at self-help with Spitfire and we're back at the meat market eating our brother. Um, Like, this is just an insane album. It's hard to listen to all at once. And, uh, you know, it can be, uh, it could definitely be a pushing a boulder up a hill type of experience. But I would encourage you to really check it out because the lyrics are so good. Um, Some standout tracks, obviously, Meat Market and Dear John are amazing. Um, And it's just, uh, it's worth noting, too, that, like, 
Spitfire was a Christian metal band or a hardcore band in 1999. By 2006, they are very much not that. We are in a totally different country now. Self-help kind of runs together with the other chaotic hardcore that I've heard. Knowing that it's Spitfire is really the only thing that sets it apart. When I listen to bands like Converge, when I listen to The Chariot, when I listen to Norma Jean, when I listen to Spitfire, they could run together at a glance. But they all do something that's unique to them that I cannot define. This sounds like Spitfire to me. What they're really doing is the same chaotic hardcore everybody else was doing at the time. So why does it stand out? I've always thought that chaotic hardcore can only stand out for one of two reasons. Either the vocals, and we'll skip the part about do you need a lyric sheet to actually read them, and we'll skip the part about do you need a lyric sheet to actually understand them, or the drumming. Because the guitars are basically doing the same tricks everybody else is doing. Everybody's being dissonant, everybody's making noise, everybody's scraping picks and creating feedback and looping chromatic riffs together. It doesn't sound bad, but with 2018 ears, it sounds like everything I've heard already from everybody else. It's a little bit of a dated style, but I think it really stands out because this was a rebirth for Spitfire. Like, absolutely. Like, I think they needed this to reestablish themselves as a band because I think at this point, I mean, this had been seven years, which is an insane amount of time to pass for a uh, for a band like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, if you released your first album in 1999 and your next one's not until 2006, nobody knows who you are when you drop the new album. So is this another glass jaw scenario for you? A lot of time passes, and then we get more greatness. Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about it. And I agree with you, Joe, that it probably wasn't that different than what other bands like this were doing in 2006. But the fact that it's Spitfire holds a little bit of weight, I think, because you know that they're doing it from experience. But as a new fan, I think you can get behind it, too, just because how crazy and chaotic it is, especially because at this time, people were getting a little irritated that Norma Jean had, like, clean vocals and you know, we're moving away from that chaotic sound. And you have Spitfire that's basically carrying that torch. And I think it works really well. I don't think that Self-Help is the best Spitfire album. That is to come. But whenever you only have three, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, <laughs> when you only have three albums, it's kind of hard to pit them against each other like that. I think if the only thing you ever heard by Spitfire was Self-Help, I think you'd be completely satisfied if this was your thing. And I think John Spencer as a vocalist is just fantastic. And that that cannot be ignored because while the vocals on The Dead Next Door were good, they were more of just like the early metalcore where it was just like a death metal vocalist screaming over breakdowns. Whereas on self-help, you have a vocalist that actually matches the chaotic nature of the music. And I feel like John just has a more commanding voice than the vocals that we had on Self-Help. I'm sorry, that we had on The Dead Next Door. Like, he has an actual presence. And presence is key with this type of music. The Chariot is one of the best examples. What do people talk about when they talk about The Chariot? Josh. They talk about Josh. Right. 
What do they talk about when they talk about Norma Jean? Well, unfortunately, it's still Josh. For some reason. I think of American Standards. I think of Brandon Kellum. That is what I hear when I'm listening to that band. The vocals become the magician, and the musicians become the assistants. Who's actually doing all the work? Oh, I mean, in this case, it's definitely John. And I could be wrong about that. I mean, maybe he just showed up and screamed over it, but, like, it doesn't sound that way. It sounds like he was an integral part of the writing process here because it all fits together so well, like a puzzle. And I think that's why it works because it's chaotic at first, but the more you dig into the layers of it, you realize that it's all very pre-planned. And uh, I think it still sounds cool to this day. I think it's, I think there's still things that happen that I'm, that I'm not predicting are going to happen. Like it doesn't necessarily follow the tropes. It's a little tropey in the way that it sounds, but the actual song craft is not tropey at all. And that's the big test for this type of music. Is it a point by point copy of everybody else? I don't think so. I think it's in the similar vein as what some other bands were playing, but I don't think it's a carbon copy by any means. So Spitfire did pretty well with self-help. I think it reestablished the band as a thing. And two years later, they deliver what I would consider to be one of the finest albums in the chaotic hardcore genre, and that would be Cult Fiction. This is my measuring stick for chaotic hardcore. This is the album that I pull out when I can't decide what I want to listen to, but it needs to be loud, it needs to be fast, and it needs to be something different. This is super different. This doesn't even sound like self-help. Like, it does a little bit, but, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, you get to the first song, and it starts off sounding similar to self-help, and then he just starts singing, and then they go into this, like, punk rock, Uh, this punk rock section and then they go back to blasting us and like it's so cohesive and it just works like it seems like the most natural thing ever once you've heard it three or four times but the first time you're gonna always be surprised by that sung vocal it's got a little bit of a dillinger vibe going on yeah absolutely dillinger's a good band to compare this to although it doesn't sound identical to that but if you're somebody that's hearkening for old dillinger sound uh spitfire's got you covered i mean they uh they definitely keep it chaotic here, but the big difference is that there's a lot of melody, but it's not really melody that makes you feel good. This is like a dank, oppressive album to listen to. Like, the lyrics are all fucked up, and you can hear them in deep clarity. They talk a lot about cults, suicides. They talk about creepy snake handling preachers. <laughs> it is so terrifying. And uh, what's interesting is that a lot of fans of Spitfire and Scarlet in particular do consider uh, Scarlet's cult classic, Spitfire's self-help and Spitfire's cult fiction to actually be a trilogy of albums that focuses on the cult mentalities and just the kind of more darker aspects of life. And uh, I think they all work really well together if you listen to those albums as a three Um, And it's kind of hard because I feel like we're doing a disservice to the dead next door by focusing on this. But the trilogy aspect of those three albums is really strong. Like I said, we'll talk more in depth about uh, cult classic on our Patreon episode this week. But um, I think I think the weirdness is that 
you took an established band like Spitfire and continued your own thing on top of it, and it was still great. How many other bands do you think that really would have worked for? I actually think Chaotic Hardcore is one of the few genres where a vocalist can get away with doing that. The big example is Josh Scugan. When the band didn't do what he wanted to do, or when he just decided to move on, I honestly don't know which one happened, he created The Chariot, which just sounded like his old band. Well, he quit Norma Jean. He just like up and quit and then just started doing the same shit in a different band. Um, I don't know if that's the case with Scarlet and Spitfire or not, but I actually think this wor- this is a better transition than what we'd had from Norma Jean to The Chariot. Just my opinion, but I think, I think this is what Spitfire needed because it kept them relevant. Because, I mean, if they were playing stuff like The Dead Next Door like in 2008... I don't necessarily know if that sound would have stood up to the test of time. And it's just impossible to predict what that would have sounded like. But I think this is an adequate replacement. And uh, this album is just so good on its own that like, it makes me extremely uncomfortable to listen to it most of the time. But the lyrics are spot on. The vocals are commanding, just like they were in self-help. But this album just seems content to just kind of go off and make its own noise in like weird soundscapes and stuff like it'll just kind of go out in more ambient territory but it's totally cool like it doesn't really take you out of it you kind of just embrace it as you go on maybe you appreciate the break from just being screamed into the ground but i mean some of the melodies in this are very dark and very almost evil sounding And I love that about it. I love just how abrasive it can be, but it can also like lull you into sleep in like a creepy way. Stay awake, stay awake. Freddy's coming, stay awake. (laughs) I get a 50-50 vibe from this album. Little bit of showbread, little bit of Norma Jean. This might be the only unique atmosphere that exists in Chaotic Hardcore. It doesn't follow the tropes directly, but it doesn't feel the same as other Chaotic bands that you may have listened to. No, because I think those bands are so obsessed with the chaos. I think they kind of had it under control here and were able to take the songs in their most logical directions and they actually be songs. And not just a collection of riffs and squeals and, and, and dissonance. And you still have all of that. I mean, like I said, if you're only here for Godzilla, then you're, you're covered. But there's also other things that, you know, there's also a lot more going on here with the melodies and just kind of the weird soundscapes that they throw out there. And um, I, I have to say, I'm like really disappointed that there's not more of this to listen to. I mean, there's like this is like, what, 30 minutes? Cult Fiction comes in at 55. Wow, yeah, okay, you're right. Doesn't feel like that, does it? Not really. I mean, it goes by pretty quickly. Normally, I complain about albums that are longer than like 40 minutes. <laughs> but uh, in this case, I just kind of wish there was more of it to hear. And it's just kind of disappointing that Spitfire just kind of came and went. I mean, granted, it's been, let's, it took seven years between The Dead Next Door and Self-Help. But, I mean, it's been 10 years since we got cult fiction. 
and I'm a little disappointed by that. Final thoughts on Spitfire. I think if you haven't listened to Spitfire yet, you don't really have an excuse. It's three albums. It's not going to take up your whole day. And I think you're going to really enjoy what they throw down for you. I think that I would jump at the opportunity to hear a new Spitfire record immediately. And the impression that only these three albums left on me cannot be denied. Like they are, like Joe said, very much a measuring stick whenever I hear bands like this. And the first question I always ask myself is, is it better than cult fiction? And the answer is usually no. Much like Living Sacrifice is to metalcore and Glassjaw is to punk rock and hardcore and Hope's Fall is to melodic hardcore. I think Spitfire is a band, if you don't know about them and you listen to any kind of hardcore, you should have heard about them prior to this day. And if this is the day you learned who they are, welcome. Here's a copy of Cult Fiction. Go listen to it. I actually think Spitfire is a band. You can work your way backwards. You can start at the best and go backwards to the beginning. There is no worst. It won't hurt you. And I think you'll enjoy it because it is something different in a genre that is full of imitators and duplicators. It's not ever going to be as bad as your three-chord ooey-punk bands. But we all have to admit, there was a time where chaos and hardcore and dissonant music and metalcore, it all sounded the same. Everybody did the same tricks. And you couldn't discern one song from another. At first, you might think Cult Fiction or Spitfire as a whole has the same problem. Keep listening. Dan, what's your album of the week? One album that I've been listening to a lot lately that we covered last year, but I still love it, is uh, Dead New World by Il Nino. It's episode 99. We're talking about Spitfire. Cult fiction. When I said go listen to it, I really meant it. And on that note, this has been episode 99 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Yeah.